You are listening to Motivating from the Six, episode 99. Today we are talking about life transitions, moving from one stage to another with very special guest, NBA legend, Tracy Murray. Let's go. And welcome back to Motivating from the Six. This is a podcast that is intended to change your life. It's intended to motivate you. It's intended to inspire you. It's intended to have you stand up in your circumstances, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what obstacles you have or problems you are facing, to have you stand up and face them and make a change for the better. I'm your host, Jeff Martin of JeffADMartin.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We got an amazing episode, but before we get into that, I just have to say thank you. For all of you who have clicked play, for all of you who have subscribed, for all of you who have downloaded, for all of you who have left a five-star rating, I just got to say thank you to you because... I know that your time is extremely valuable and there are so many other things that you can be doing with your time, but you decided to spend it with me. And for that, I am so full of gratitude and I am so appreciative of you. Today's episode, we have an amazing guest. We have National Basketball Association, the NBA, a legend, Mr. Tracy Murray. Tracy Murray, of course, he's known as a basketball star. He's spent 12 years playing in the NBA, professional basketball. But today we're going to be speaking about transitions. Sometimes in our lives, we have to make change. Sometimes we lose a job and we have to transition our lives into a new job. Sometimes we have to make the transition out of one friendship so we can get away from that negativity. Transition in life is not always easy. But it's very, very necessary when it comes to making your life exactly the way you want it to be. So we get into a great conversation about transitioning. And please take some notes in this episode. My man, Tracy Murray, he really dropped some gems. Of course, we're going to speak about basketball because that's his true love. But we're able to use that conversation and really put it into real life. So all of you, including me can learn some really deep lessons about transitioning and making change within our lives. Without further ado, I'm not going to hold you back any longer. Here is NBA legend Tracy Murray. Let's go. from the six today we have an amazing guest my man he is a 12-year nba veteran he is an nba champion he is a 50-point scorer and he is a team usa bronze medal winner 1991 my man tracy murray how you doing today sir what's going on brother hey you forgot to tell them that we go back for many many years you're my brother and you oh, let man. them know, and better yet, I'm letting you guys know, this is my brother. <laughs> Jeff Martin is my brother. I appreciate you, Jeff, and I love you, brother. 
Oh, man, I love you too, man. I appreciate you very much, man. I'm so thankful to finally have you on this podcast and just give people an opportunity to hear your voice and hear what you got going on, but also just hear some of the life lessons that you've learned playing at a top level, top caliber uh, in the NBA and just kind of transitioning into the life that you have now. Okay. Hey, I'm going to tell you another thing. Uh, let's, let, let, let me say something real about this. I'm going to let you guys know how far we go back. We were drumming up beats in the back room at his wedding. Yeah, oh man. We we were we were making Jeff nervous before his wedding, and we're trying to loosen him up. We're drumming beats in the back. That's how far we go back. That's how this is my brother, and, and you know I'm down with you, Jeff. You already oh, know. Man. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I remember that, man. That was something. And we always said, man, good we time. wish we captured that on video, but we never did. Oh man, it was good times. Good times, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so what's going on? What are we doing? Let's go. I'm yes, ready. let's do this. So, so let's talk to the people. And of course, you being an NBA baller for many years, 12 years, a, a veteran of the NBA, but this is a podcast where we want to try to help people grow and become their best selves. So what I want to yeah. talk to you about is this. We want to start with this. So you played again in the NBA for 12 years. You've come from a circumstance where you were highly sought after. You were an amazing shooter. Like, man, shoot the lights out. Like, it was crazy the skills that you had on the, on the court. But like most, most athletes, eventually all that stuff does come to an end. And what I want to talk yes. to you about is transitioning because some people, they are working in a certain position or they're working in a certain area of their life and eventually things have to change and they want to better themselves in certain areas, but they're scared to kind of move on from that first area to the second. I want you to talk right. about the transition out of the NBA into the life that you have now. What did that look like? How did that feel like? And what can you share about that? It was a car crash, bro. It was a car crash because I was trying to hold on for so long. Mm. I even held on by going to Europe and playing for three more years. I played two years in Greece and one year in France when I should have just stopped mm. and pursued what I'm doing now, which is broadcasting. Because now what you do is you take yourself, you take your brand, uh, you, you, you go away from where you're from, where your fan base is. Mm. And just to continue a, a career or chase some money or, or whatever, right? And now I come back three years later after it's all said and done. You know, one, I mean, you go through a little six-month depression after it's all done, too. Okay. You know, and I had to, uh, you know, my dad kicked in my door at my house and, you know, raised up to the the the, uh, the curtains in my bedroom and let the light in. And like, man, you're 36, 37 years old. Get your butt out of the bed. Let's go. You got your life ahead of you. This is over. Open up a new door and start your, your other life. Mm -hmm. And I'm very blessed to have my dad with a lot of knowledge. And, and, and you know, he motivates us all the time. And, um. I, I, I was really depressed because basketball was the only thing that I loved. Only thing besides my family, it was basketball. And, and, and when that came to an end, I didn't even think about it because I thought I was going to play forever, mm. you know, but when the injuries come, you know, it ends shorter than you want it to. So I didn't transition well. So this is definitely a good podcast to learn you have to prepare for something when you have a short-lived career. I didn't prepare correctly. 
I didn't start taking broadcast classes or, or internships that the, that the NBA may have been offering so I can transition in right when I'm done, like a, like a Richard Jefferson did or like Ryan Hollins or like a lot of, us, a lot of these other guys have done, you know, right afterwards. I mean, even Shaq and Charles took a little while to transition into broadcasting, but there are guys that just went in right away. John Barry, Tim Legler, they went in right away. Mm. They didn't go away for three years and then then come back and they're like, oh, by the way, who are you? Mm. That's that's what I got when I came back because you go away for three three and a half years and come back and like, who are you? And and, and you know the world has moved on past you. Wow. So okay. now I have to go to broadcast school. So I learned the broadcast trade. Then I made you know I made a call back to UCLA first. So it was like, okay, what do I do? They sent me to broadcast school over at Santa Monica City, City College. And I went over to broadcast school, learned a bit more about the trade, developed some skills. Then they said, okay, when you're doing that, come back and do some um, UCLA women's basketball games so you can get some experience under your belt. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that. And then when I got good enough, they were like, okay, Don McLean, who was my teammate in college and played nine years in the league, when he goes over to TV, you can – do some fill-in spots on the radio. Mm. And so that's how I started working part-time stuff, you know, fill-in work on the radio and getting my feet wet with that. Mm -hmm. And now what that turned into was an, this is my 11th year as UCLA's color guy on the radio now. Wow. And, and with all of that, I was still – had, I still had aspirations to coach. So while I was in broadcast school, I was also in the NBA developmental league as a mentor slash assistant coach for the Bakersfield Jam. So I was double duty in the whole time. So it was really a busy time. I went from doing nothing to like flying. Mm -hmm. and so, so I was going over the hill two hours to Bakersfield for practices and then coming back over the hill to go to broadcast school and doing fill-in dates and practices and games with with the with the with the D league. So I was doing a lot and getting experience in both, just in case whatever one came first, that was the direction I was going to go in. Okay. So it just seems like it seems like we were going to be uh, that I was going to be in the in the D league for a while, and I didn't have time for a while. Mm -hmm. So things started picking up broadcast wise, and now fast forward. This is my 11th year broadcasting. I had one year as an assistant coach and shooting coach with the Lakers. And um, I am on ABC, the, the ABC affiliate down here in Los Angeles, Channel 7, doing um, the uh, Slam Dunk Sunday show on Sundays, uh, post games after the NBA playoffs or, or the NBA games and playoffs. So uh, I'm, I'm still... Um, doing my thing broadcast wise and, and it, it took a while, but I, I wish that I started right after my career was over instead of extending my basketball play. It, it really hurt me in a sense. Okay. That's interesting. Thank you so much for being so open about that. So you really just described it as being a car crash in terms of the transition. If you yes. could do it over again, what would you have done differently? So I know you talked about going to uh, broadcast classes a little bit sooner. What are some of the things you might have thought about as you were getting up in years uh, playing basketball? Well, I, I think a, a year 
nine or ten. I mean, that's when the injury started. I think that's when you, you need to start looking like, okay, my body's not lasting. What can I transition into right now? Because you know, like I know, you were with us with the Raptors. You know how much free time you have in the day. You know, everybody's talking about how tired they are. But you only practice for, you know, hour and a half, two hours a day. You know, you get your treatment, you get your weight room in. So it really is about maybe three, three and a half hours out of the whole day. Mm-hmm. You got the rest of the day left. You got the rest of the evening left. What could I have done better, you know, to to have prepared myself for my life after basketball? Mm-hmm. That's something I didn't take advantage of. And then when you're when you're into like like for myself, I was a role player. Right. So you know, the first year, you know, the Raptors, the, 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 the city of Toronto got to see me play my real game the first year. But as you have developed, as you get more talent and, and you, you, you appoint people to be the stars of the team, now you have to fall into a role. So when I came back and played with Vince, I had a different role than I did the first time. Right. So with, with, with all of that being said, you have all of this time during the day to try to transition into something else. During the off season, when you are a guy in the middle, you know, I had eight hour days during the off season, working out, training, pushing my body so I could be ready for training camp and keep my spot. Mm-hmm. So in the summertime, when you normally go do internships or, or, or try to make that next move, I was preparing for the next season when everybody else was vacationing. Mm. And, and see, so so that's where I also dropped the ball. I could have been like year eight, year nine, ten, eleven. Okay, let me go to New York to the NBA offices and see what they got that I can. They have tons of of internships that you can do to transition. Okay. But if you're still chasing basketball, you don't take advantage of it. Mm. I, I could have, you know, they have this thing where the NBA players go up to ESPN up in Connecticut and they do intern ships up there i could have done that and i probably would have been on espn today if i if i had done that wow but i didn't because i was chasing basketball and i didn't want it to end because that was my only love and my only drive and my only love you know what i mean when you're chasing that only i mean at some point you have to you have to become versatile you have to widen your focus mm-hmm. and i was extremely focused on that one thing um, and you and I, we dipped and dabbed in the music and we played, you know, messed around with doing songs and stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> right. And I was getting better at that. To me, that was a stress reliever for me. That was a hobby and a stress reliever. But that was also the creative side that I have. Yes. That that if I had dove more into that, maybe something would have happened. Mm. Because we're, we're, we're getting good at it. Mm. But, absolutely. you know... I also had a dad that was very strict on focus. You need to stop doing that stuff because that's, that's a, that's a hobby. That's a hobby right there. This is your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. You need to focus. And sometimes men, men are very focused. Women are very, you know, they're very diverse. They can, they can have many focuses and do very well at many focuses. Mm-hmm. Men focus on one thing. And and I think that was as much good advice as I've gotten from my dad over the years. That might have been one that, that might have hurt me. Mm. 
Okay. Because now I didn't open doors to transition into because I was so focused on one thing. Ah, got you. Got you. Okay, yeah, yeah, I really get that. That makes so much sense. And I love what you just talked about in regards to your time. And here you are as a professional athlete, and you're talking about the fact that you had time to look at other things and to transition. And you have people, everyday people who talk about, I go to my nine to five and I come home and I got to put my feet up and watch that reality show or whatever. But the truth of the matter is we all have time. If there's something else you're looking to step into, we all can find the time. But you know, it, how important is it to us? Yeah. Oh, time management is key, man. I mean, the, the biggest thing I learned in college, and this is how I, I graduated from college. I mean, the first problem I had when I stepped on the, the, the campus of UCLA was time management. Mm. If you don't know how to manage your time, you're going to fail. So I almost failed out of UCLA my first year because I didn't manage my time correctly. Okay. Plus, I was I was like a dog let off the leash, you know what I mean? It's like I I, I come from a situation where it was a t they were my parents were very tight on me. I didn't get a chance to go anywhere, have any type of fun. It was school, gym, home, school, gym, home. That's mm -hmm. all it was. Mm -hmm. So now I get to college, and I'm making my own decisions, and I'm doing my own thing. So now I'm just like a I'm just running and ripping everywhere. I get to go to parties. I get to do this. I get to do that. Meanwhile, my, my schoolwork suffers. Right. So, Priorities. So now I don't have the discipline that I was taught. I lost because I wasn't allowed to do certain things when I was a kid. So now I have to refocus in the summertime or else I don't make it to my second year in college. Mm. So... I had, there was a lot of life lessons that I had to learn along the way, but time management was definitely the number one thing. Cause if you manage your time well, then you can succeed because you'll take advantage of, of the free time that you have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I love that time management is so key in regards to getting things done. If you want to accomplish right. certain areas of your life, you have to look at your time. Are you using your time wisely? And I, I always like right. to say, you know, I, I'm not here to tell people they can't watch these reality shows and watch every basketball game or, or football game. But again, right. the time that you're working, how are you using that time? Are you being distracted by social media or people around you? Yep. How are you using that time? Oh, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, in, in my situation now, it's, it's a different focus because really broadcasting for me now is part time. Mm -hmm. So how do I, how do I, you know, it's for six, seven months out of the year. So the next five months is kind of a grind for me. You know, I do appearances. I, I donate my time to, to, like I just got back in town late last night from Phoenix, Arizona, because of our Prodigy Athletic Program. That's my brother Cam's program, which you know very well. That's your other brother. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> he, he has an AAU program. It started with one kid that he had to train after one of my basketball camps. Mm. And he trained this kid for nine years. This kid was his shadow for nine years. And he earned a scholarship. Never picked up a basketball at nine years old and earned a scholarship by 18. So he said if he can do it with this kid, he can do it with anybody. So he started gaining clientele, clientele, clientele. Now his clientele has grown so much, he was like, okay, I can't keep sending these kids to play for other people because they don't know the skill set. Okay. So he started developing teams and developing his own AAU program. and now. 
that's what I help him with along the side. So that takes up part of the summer. I speak to the incoming rookies and free agents uh, during the summer league when they come in. You know, get, uh, no different than this. You give them the good, bad, and the ugly about what they're about to get into. Right. You know, they need to know everything. I'll, I, I, I give them all of my mistakes that I've made. I, I'm vulnerable in there because somebody has to be if these kids are going to succeed. They need yes. to know the pitfalls that comes with being famous. Right. Fame is not for everybody. You know, and, and, and fame hurts a lot, a lot of people. I, I'd rather have, have played the game, made the money, and not had the fame. Mm. You know, because the fame, it 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 uh it destroys people, man. And and you know, it, it there's a lot of people that are out there trying to set people up because of their fame. Yeah. And they figure that because they're of their fame that they're making way more money than they're making. You know, it's it's not true. Right. Some of these cats are not making the money that people think they're making. First of all, you have to cut their money in half of what's being published, and what's being published is not even what they're making. It's mm. around the ballpark of what they're making. Mm. So now people got the wrong impression of what people are making and what they're, what they're bringing, you know, home, you know, they're trying to count their money for them. Mm. That's yeah. what fame does to people. You know, it's like, you know, that's why I'd rather not have the fame and people looking in my backyard or trying to count my, count my money because it's like, do you have no idea what I support? Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's really a trip, uh, the fame thing. So I, I wish I had never had that part of it. Mm. Um, because you know me, man. I'm low-key. Yeah. I'm yeah. low-key. I, I, I love my family. I love my friends. You know, I love the people that support me. I support them. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what we do, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, I let these, these young men know this, you know, in the summertime. Um, and then after that, you know, we have AU startup again. Now, AUs, we have prodigy in the spring and we have prodigy in the summer mm-hmm. so there's only a, a month in june where things kind of lighten up and, and you know we go back to training and just every day you know and i'm around the house a little bit more you know and then you know you also have to throw in i have a family you know i've been married seven years i have three kids mm-hmm. you know um i have a 14 year old a six and, and that's about to turn seven in a couple of uh next weekend and a four-year-old, right? Yeah. You know, my my two youngest, my two youngest are girls. My oldest is a boy. Mm-hmm. So it's like the supporting and, and being daddy, and, and you know, and that's that's a, that's a job in itself. You know, right. you you want to steer your kids in the right direction. You don't want them to go down the wrong path. So that that's that's tough, and it's hard to you know deal with a you know a broken family too. You know, I mean, I was never with my son's mom like that, but you know, hey, he's here. Everybody mm-hmm. knows about situations like that. I still have to have my my responsibility that, you know, I have to be a dad from a distance. Uh, you know, okay. I have to stay on top of him. And in the summertime, I get him. You mm-hmm. know, I don't want to bother his time during school and take him out of school because I want my time. No, it's, it's not being selfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has to do his schoolwork. He has to concentrate in school. And after school or holidays or whatever, I'll take him, mm-hmm. you know. But it's hard to it's hard to parent from a distance. It really is, especially mm-hmm. when you don't have you. You know, there's teeth sunk in on the other side, but your teeth aren't sunken into him too. So he doesn't have really your values too. Right. So yeah. it's, it's it's you know because it, as quick as he learned it, he it, it disappears because he's with the other side for more. 
mm-hmm. for 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 a long, longer period of time. Right. So you know, I just I just hate that I, I'm not around him more. You know that he's around more. You know, like if 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 it was a, a like a complete split in the middle with time, his schoolwork would suffer, but he will have more of, of my family's values in him, and he he probably would have been a different person. Not saying he's a bad kid because he's a good kid, but there's right. struggles there. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Wow. Okay. I, again, thank you for being open about that. We talked oh, about, man, I'm, I, you know me, man, I'm open book, man. I don't, I don't lie to people. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's so true. Uh, we did speak about transitioning and your change from being in the NBA to now coming out of the NBA. But one of the things I think that goes along with that too is branding. And I think branding is so important because people post things on social media, people put themselves out there a certain way, and sometimes they mm-hmm. act differently in real life. And I think right. branding, being consistent with your branding is so important. Now, you have players within not just the NBA, but professional players, athletes who have an opportunity. They're in front of a camera um, a lot of nights uh, after games, and they have an opportunity to start kind of showing their brand. And I love uh, someone who's a good friend of yours, Shaquille O'Neal, how he started out as a joker, comedian. People started to pick up not just on his game, but his personality. And I think he mm-hmm. was able to transition outside of the game as well. Can you talk about right, branding, right. the importance of branding as uh, an individual who eventually will transition out into something else? Can you talk about that? This is the first lesson I learned about branding. We get drafted in 1992. Shaq's the number one pick. After we get drafted, we have to go to the draft city to do media and stuff like that, right? So the community can get to know you. The media can get to know you. The organization can get to know you. So you go there for a couple of days. And they were showing Shaq footage all the time. So Shaq gets off the plane in Orlando with Mickey Mouse ears on. (laughs) Now, the normal person thinks that's corny. Right. But the smart person that's building a brand is saying, ah, I know what he's doing. Right. Cha-ching. Yeah. Cha-ching. That's Disney money now. (laughs) That's Orlando money. He's letting people know, I am here. Yes. I am in your city. Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. ears identify i'm I'm yours mm-hmm. come to me you know what i mean it's like he already is like a big magnet because of his personality right. now you add his brain and his smarts and his intelligence to it that's the first thing i learned about marketing he went to orlando with mickey mouse ears on stepping off the plane mm-hmm. so that was one of the smartest things in the world that he did he showed how brilliant he was then mm-hmm. as a as a as a 20 year old young man mm-hmm. to step off the plane with Mickey Mouse ears on to do a press conference with Mickey Mouse ears on mm-hmm. that that city of Orlando fell in love with him day one right and he's really transitioned since again now he's been retired oh, yeah. for years but now he has been that personality because people have fallen in love with his personality from the very beginning yeah, yeah, Shaq, is, Shaq was, you know, and still is. You know, he's a joker. He loves to have fun. Um, you know, Shaq and I were both the youngest players in the NBA for like three years straight. You know, guys that came in behind us, we were still the, we, you know, we're still the youngest. No, no, two years straight. We, we were still the youngest. 
Okay. And um, so, so I'm not going to say it was immaturity, but I'm going to say it's us being us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We were boys in a man's game, even though clearly he was a man on the court. Mm-hmm. But we were still, we were still young men. We were jokers. We were having fun. We were enjoying ourselves. And and when you have that vibrance about yourself, people, you know, they draw to that. They're like, oh, he's he loves to have fun. I like that guy. Right. And so yeah. fa- fast forward, watching TNT, you know, I'm cracking up every night at these guys when they're on TNT. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you what you see is. Shaq and Charles Barkley bringing the locker room on screen. Right. And you know the locker room. You've been in there. Mm-hmm. They're bringing yeah. the locker room on screen. Absolutely. And then you're wondering why they're winning Emmy Awards all the time. Because it's funny. It's entertaining. It's, it's good. It's must-see TV. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And, and come on. Shaq and went and got his doctorate, which is smart. Yeah. That helps his brand. Yeah, he's, he's showing how educated he is that he continued his education. Yes. Another thing, everywhere he went, he, Wilt Chamberlainy, the big Aristotle, yes. the big Cactus, right. the big Shamrock, whatever. You know, it's like, come on, man. Everywhere he went, he 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 named himself some type of big something. Mm-hmm. He's being funny, but he's being smart. He's being witty. Yes, and it all came down to his branding. Yes. And then you wonder why, you know, he, he's 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 got commercials and 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 icy hot and you know gold bond and you right. know it's like this dude is you know people want to get in the business of Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. I want to invest in the brand of Shaquille O'Neal because he is consistent all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, the branding is so important to be consistent, very consistency to be yourself. And, you know, don't show up one way in real life and another way on social media. You, you really- right. And th- 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 yeah, that's a, that's another thing. You, you talked about social media and this is where people get it twisted. And this is where a lot of people go wrong on social media. Social media is not where you, you do rants and you do your personal business out there because you got to understand if you are a person looking for employment, mm-hmm. if you're looking for a job, the first thing the people that are going to hire you do is they go right to your social media pages and they look at what have you been posting right. the last couple of years. What do you They see? have a specific person in the office that goes right to all of your social media and, and, and they, they, go, they, they dissect your page. Mm. And if you got anything shaky, if you if you're a woman and you're out there, if you if you're on there shaking your ass, you're not getting the job. Right. <laughs> if you yeah. have no clothes on, you're not getting the job. Right. If you are a guy and you're out there cussing, fussing, ranting, and raving about dumb stuff, mm-hmm. you're not getting the job. Right. Yeah. You have to be mindful. Social media is honestly, it's your platform to tell the world what your brand is or what you're all about. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. It is so your one shot. You really have to watch what you post. Yes. You really do because you're judged on what you post. Yeah. And even 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 more important than your post, you even have to watch what you retweet. 
Yeah, that's because true. if you retweet or, or repost something that's like I, I may retweet or re, repost jokes every now and then, but there was one joke that you know I made a comment about, and I was like, and it wasn't I wasn't laughing really about it. I was like just tripping off of it, right? And some people jumped on me, and I took it down. But it was like it was it. it there's, that's why I'm saying you got to watch what you retweet. Right, yeah. Because now now you got people that believe you're a certain way, and you right. might make one mistake of what you're retweeting something crazy, mm-hmm. and now people are on your case. Yeah. So you got to watch that too. Because yeah. now if you've built a brand, like like my social media consists of stuff I do broadcast-wise, of course, basketball content and, and everything I believe with basketball mm-hmm. are prodigy and broadcasting. Right. So that's I don't even have my family on there for certain reasons. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I, I, I want to keep my family private. Right. Yes. It's not everybody's business with my family. It's not. Right. So I don't even put my family out there. And I get mad at sometimes when my aunts and and, and 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 people uh friends be posting stuff with my my kids on there mm-hmm. because i i don't post stuff with my kids so why are y'all doing it? right yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's like i want my kids to live a normal life yeah if they choose to do something to where they blasted into the public's eye that's on them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was my choice as a kid to play in the nba want to play in the nba and chase it I want my kids to live as much of a normal life as possible. Right. My son does not play basketball at all. Okay. And I'm not forcing him. Right. But he's going to have to learn. He's going to have to do something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and I, I even, you know, I, I trolled his pages. And then some of the stuff he was saying on his page, I had to check him on. Mm. Like, dude, what are you doing? Like a good father, though. Yeah. You, what are you doing? Mm. You know, it's like. Is, you know, is your mom okay with this? You know, I don't think she may know about it. Is she okay with it? You know, mm-hmm. I know I'm not okay with it, so I know she's probably not okay with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, dude, you got. I know you're 14, but you got to watch what you post. It can hurt your future. Yeah, for sure. For so, sure. I, so I am not just, you know, talking about it in general with everybody on this podcast. I'm also trying to exercise it in my own house. Mm-hmm. You know? And you know, it's it's like I, I just try I just try to 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 watch everything that I post and, and, and anything I retweet or repost. Yeah, makes so much sense. Again, the branding has to be consistent to who you are and what you believe. Because if it's contradictory, yeah. then you know people are going to see that you are not as real as you're coming out across to be or trying to be anyway. Absolutely. Now, if there's something funny, I'll repost that too. Now. Because sure. <laughs> you know me. You know me. Come on. I've been in the locker room. You've been in the locker room with me. We're, we love joking. We love Absolutely. having fun. Yeah, we got to have fun. You know, but, but in the process, I'm not trying to post something that's going to hurt somebody else. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm trying to be mindful still. Uh, yeah, it's funny, but I don't want to, like, offend anybody or hurt anybody. You know, just, you know, the joke, it's still got to be kind of in good taste. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. I like to change the feel a little bit. So I remember we had a conversation a while ago. I want to speak about people who don't necessarily believe in your dreams. And 
You know, we right. have the haters out there, we have the naysayers, but sometimes the people who don't believe in our dreams is the people who love us the most. And right. we had a conversation a while ago, we won't bring up who it is, but when you were transitioning out the, the league and, and out of basketball and you had these dreams about some things you wanted to do, and you had a conversation with someone who's near and dear to you, and, you know, they said to you, you know, maybe you should just stick in the area that you know. Maybe you should stick with basketball, right. uh, whether it be coaching or broadcasting. And you right. had these great things you wanted to do. You wanted to change the world. And this right. person who you love did not believe in your dream. And I remember you said to me, you know, Jeff, as much as I love this person, I now know that I can never share my dreams with that individual. Do you remember mm -hmm. this conversation mm -hmm. that we had? It was a while ago, yeah. Yeah. It was a while ago. Definitely. Definitely. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Can, you, can you take me through, um, again, we're not going to go through details in terms of who this person is, but how do right. you step through someone else's, maybe not so much their negativity, but a lot of people have their own fears and they put it on you. They put it on us. Yes. And yes. individuals who are trying to live our own lives. Yes. I mean, the, the thing about it is if, if you have your dreams, you got to shoot a hundred percent for it. Mm -hmm. Like for example, when, at, when I was five years old and I wanted to be an NBA player, I was like, daddy, I want to play basketball on TV, just like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And my dad who fell short, you know, but he played against all of these. I, I witnessed him playing on the court with pros in the L.A. Summer League. I witnessed my dad being a very good basketball player, playing alongside Norm Nixon, playing against Michael Wiley and Marcus Johnson and, 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 and Michael Cooper. I, I remember my dad playing with these guys. So he knew the blueprint. He's like, okay, if you want to do this, you got to do everything I say. Don't question it, just do everything I say. Mm. Now, there's this, thing called don't put all your eggs in one basket that's what that's the have a backup plan mm -hmm. everybody says this right, right? if you're going to chase the nba major league baseball mls mm -hmm. acting music if you if you're not a goer if you got a backup plan, you're not going to make it. I'm sorry. I'm just going to come out and say it. Mm. I may sound like I may sound like somebody that's like, man, what are you doing? What are you saying? Why are you going to tell these kids that? I'm just being honest. Mm -hmm. I had no backup plan. I went a thousand percent at the NBA, mm. but but at the same time. You got to be real with yourself and have people in your circle mm -hmm. that's real and that's going to tell you. I had more negativity in my circle than I did around me. Really? It's like people that come watch your game are going to say, oh, you did great. You did great. You did great. For example, but you need this. You need the reality check. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the reality check, you're not going to make it. Mm. So, for example, I'm in the state championship my senior year in high school. We lose 89-83. I had 64 points, 19 rebounds, seven block shots, five assists, and two or three steals. Mm. 
Wow, okay? monster game. Now, monster game in Oracle Arena, mm. I might add. The same building I got 50 against the Warriors. So, <laughs> I love it. Right, so I'm really confident in that building, but we lost. Mm. So everybody in the building is buzzing over this performance. The media, everything that was posted, that, that, was, that was on the news in California, Northern California and Southern California, mm. was my performance. But I lost. But, and I mean, the, perform, the performance was so monster. Everybody, and then, oh, by the way, he lost 89-83. <laughs> So, my dad, being the realist that he is, mm. yeah, you scored 64, but you lost. Mm. You know why you lost? Because you were 12 for 18 from the free throw line. You missed six free throws. That's mm. six points right there. You had this amount of many turnovers. That's extra possessions for the other team. Mm-hmm. You missed this shot when you should have made it. You missed a couple layups when you should have dunked the ball. You got tired when you shouldn't have gotten tired. Mm -hmm. So when you have this reality hitting you when everybody else is kissing your ass, Mm -hmm. and this one is in the house, this one is the one that's taught you the game. This is the one that's put you in position so you can be seen. Mm-hmm. and have this talent and, and, and giving you the blueprint, you're going to listen to the people that's, a, that's around you all the time, whether it's negative or not. You've mm-hmm. got to have people who are real in your corner. So yeah. now I'm working on my game. You know, I'm working on this. I'm working on that, you know, because he sees the weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So he's going to tell me what my game, where my game is weak at so I can strengthen it. Yeah. So now I'm making an educated decision on how I move towards this dream. Mm-hmm. So you got to be real with yourself and have real people in your circle if you're going to succeed. You got to have somebody tell you, like, I averaged 44 a game coming out of high school. Now, all of these guys that made the jump to the NBA from high school, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, you know, all these guys that did it back in the day, they didn't have the numbers I had. Mm. But was I But was I ready for the NBA? Hell no. Mm-hmm. My dad told me, and there were people talking, maybe Tracy going to the NBA. I didn't even know you can go to the NBA out of high school in 89. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kenny Anderson was a way better player. He was the national player of the year that year. Way better player than I was. But I had better numbers. I had better numbers than Shaq. I, I led the nation in scoring mm. that year as a McDonald's All-American. Wow. I led the nation in scoring. But my dad like, man, you're not athletic enough. You're not strong enough. You, you don't create your shot good enough. Your ball handling is not good enough. You, need to, you can't defend them. No, absolutely not. You're taking your ass to college. And my first day in college, I realized – that I wasn't ready because mm-hmm. my first day in college, I walk up into the men's gym or Poly Pavilion, uh, the Midsummer Night Magic um, charity event is happening. The, the charity game, Magic Johnson's charity game, was happening that weekend. Mm-hmm. So my first day on the UCLA campus, 
I walk in there, I see Charles Oakley, Charles Barkley, Clyde Drexler, Isaiah Thomas, Magic Johnson, all the Lakers. I'm just sitting there, mouth draw. My mouth is on the floor. Reggie Miller, my mouth is on the floor of, of all the talent that I'm about to play with as a 17-year-old. Wow. So I, I got a rude awakening of how much I wasn't ready that day. Man. Now, now did I did I hang in there? Did I light some people up? Yeah, I did. But <laughs> physically, athletically, I mean, if you're chasing around Dominique Wilkins, and he's strong, he's a grown man. Right. I'm yeah. a kid still. Yeah. There's no way I'm ready for that. Right. But but that's why I had to go do my three years in college and strengthen my body and get, become a little bit more athletic and and really like have the experience, be on the USA team and represent our country. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I had to have these experiences to not only, you know, improve myself, but also to give me the mental confidence that I am among the elite. Yes. To make that transition into the league. I mean, let's let's think about it for a second. Kobe, Tracy, Jermaine O'Neal, Kevin Garnett. It took those guys three, four years. Yeah. Before absolutely. they became who they were. If not longer for you some. Know, Oh man, Kevin Garnett chased me around uh, the Sky Dome, mm-hmm. trying to trying to guard me. He was six eight at the time, mm-hmm. trying to guard me, and I was like, "Oh, I got a I got a kid. I got a kid out of high school trying to guard me." Mm-hmm. I was running him all through all kinds of screens when we played <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> but 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 you know what? I knew the kid was going to be great. He's in the yeah. NBA. He he just threw himself into the fire. Yeah, and, and he I knew he was going to be great. I knew Kobe was going to be great. I knew Tracy was going to be great. Mm-hmm. These guys had great talent, and they were athletic. That, that's something they didn't have that they had that I didn't have. They had athleticism. Mm-hmm. I had to work on that part of it. Absolutely. So, yeah. so, so I knew that it was just a matter of time, but it took them two, three, four years before they became who they were. Mm-hmm. No different than going to college, right? Right, absolutely. And so going back to what we talked about there, you have to surround yourself with people who are going to look out for you, not just the yes men, not just the people who yes. are looking for a handout or looking for a buck or right. who just love you. And like, you know, your grandma's always, always going to cheer you on. Yes, baby. You know, you're doing yeah. very well. Meanwhile, you, right. know, you may not have the skill, but grandma's going to cheer you on. You have to surround yes. yourself by people who are going to be honest with you. And what yes. I know you talk about, you just named all the successful people who came out of high school into the league, but there's also a list of LeBron, J- LeBron James was the only one that was ready. Th- there you go. Absolutely. But there's His also body a was built. He was strong. He was athletic. Right. And good to go and good to go. Yeah. But as, but as yep. many players as we had who have come into the NBA and had to wait their turn, there's a lot of players in the past who came out of high school who never made it. Right. Corleone Young was one of them. Mm. A high, a big name, never made it. Mm. You know, there's, there's a, there's a couple people. Uh, there was, there was a kid that was in LeBron's class that was supposed to be uh, a great, great player, and he never made it. And they had, they did some type of documentary on him too. Okay. I forgot his name, but, but you know, there, there are people that throw their names in the hat, and and you're like, like, like I'm really interested on what Chris Wilkes and Jalen Hands are going to do from UCLA. Mm-hmm. They're not even in the, you know, Chris Wilkes was probably in the top 85 draftable players this year. Jalen Hands wasn't even in the top 100. So I'm like, what are these guys thinking about? Because this is just the top 100 in the nation. 
Right. You're not even thinking about what's coming from, from overseas. Right. Yeah. Outside yeah. the country. Right. You know, right. or that or that hotbed <clears throat> up there where you are in Toronto. <laughs> That's a hotbed up there for talent, a hotbed. Oh, it's gone crazy you know? down there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's a hotbed. You know what I call them? I call them Raptor babies. They yes. grew up on us. Yes, they if did. There wasn't, if there wasn't an NBA up there, those kids would still be playing hockey and soccer. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I, and I don't I don't like to name drop, but the last time I had a conversation with Isaiah Thomas when he was in town, I told him the exact same thing. I said, you know, yeah. because of what you were able to do and create an opportunity for Toronto to have a team, the Toronto Raptors, you have just blossomed the talent that these kids have. Absolutely. When I was growing up, I remember growing up and having to go to these cheesy preseason games. Like the NBA would be like, yeah, let's just toss Toronto a bone. And I'd have to go to, yep. you know, the local Maple Leaf Gardens and watch. Yep. Uh, it was like Phoenix versus Portland and none of the stars were playing. Like Charles Barkley was not making that trip. You know, and right, right. You know, and then now we've come to a place where we have stars who are playing in the league in the city, and kids are growing up on that, seeing that, and wanting to become them. So it really is a hotbed. And, 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 and oh, by the way, you guys are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Thank you, Kawhi. Ooh. Oh man! But but you, you see what I'm saying? So I'm sitting here, and I was there at the beginning with Isaiah. Yes, you were. I'm sitting here like a proud papa. We both talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Isaiah's my big brother. We talk about it. me, him, Damon Stoudemire. We talk about it all the time. What Oliver Miller? I talked. I, I talked to Oliver the other day. Ooh, the big O. We <laughs> yes, we established Toronto Raptor basketball. Yeah. We established it. Yeah, we were the footprints. We were the footprints of where that that organization is today. Absolutely, and. We are sitting here like proud papas, man, not only to see where the organization has gone and how long they've lasted and seeing that they are an important part of the league, mm-hmm. but the extension from that, the talent that's being developed yeah. in that city, yeah, because there is a serious pipeline of Toronto players, high school players going from Toronto to Finley Prep. Yep. In, in Las Vegas, Nevada, mm-hmm. they're going to all these prep schools and going right in. And they're going to major universities and they're kicking ass yeah. and they're taking spots in the NBA. Absolutely. There are tons of – there are t- I, man, I, I, I played against Anthony Bennett when he was a high school kid at Finley Prep. J- JYD was coaching him as, a, as an assistant. And JY used to call me, James Hollywood Robinson, Al Harrington. We all used to come up there and play – and scrimmage those guys. Okay. So to have played against him in high school, develop a little relationship with him and Mike Cabongo and some of these guys. Now they may not be in the NBA, but they're making money playing basketball. Yeah. And then the guys that come the guys that come from behind the behind them, you know, are doing very well. Yeah. They they are setting they established footprints into the NBA that the, that the people behind them are following. Like Wiggins. I talked yes. to Andrew Wiggins sometimes when, when I was coaching. Mm. I'm like, man, I love to see you guys in this league. Uh, 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 Stauskas, you know, Nick, I, I talk to these kids. I, I, I talk to, you know, uh, oh, man, uh, Tyler. Um, I mean, all of these guys, man. I, I, give, I, give, I give them all their props, and, I, and I, I tell them how much I love to see all the Toronto kids in the league. Dylan Brooks, man, I, I, I can't say enough about this kid. 
I did a clinic at a school where I spoke to the school first and then did a basketball clinic afterwards. Dylan Brooks was in the basketball clinic. I have pictures of Dylan Brooks when he was in eighth and ninth grade. Wow. In the clinic. And he goes to Oregon and kills, and, and I'm broadcasting his games against UCLA, and I'm like, this kid looks familiar, this kid looks familiar. Then I go back to my pictures, and I'm like, oh. And then, of course, one of my friends was one of his teachers that, that, that set up the whole deal. Okay, okay. So then, you know, me and Dylan get close because of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's so cool to see these kids grow up and do so well. And if it wasn't for that Raptor organization starting those Raptor basketball camps on when on day one that we got there, yeah, the talent probably wouldn't be where it is. Yeah, very Vancouver, true. Vancouver, the Grizzlies are gone. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? The Grizzlies are gone because they didn't do something right year one. Yeah, year one and year two. That's when it's, it's crucial. Mm-hmm. You have to have some signature wins. You have to have a style of play that's entertaining. You have to have people that are passionate, that are supporting you, that understands what what's happening here. Right. And and you as players and as an organization, you got to understand you have hockey fans and you got to educate them. And I thought we did a good job of yeah. educating them as well. That's, you know. Yeah. And and we really reached out and touched fans when we were there i mean the, all the appearances that i did mm-hmm. you know to reach out and touch the fans and talk community events and 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 being co-chairman of golf tournaments and and being in these major community uh get-togethers that that uh oh man it was it was so awesome to to really get deep into the community up there and get to know people it was it was really awesome that's why i can still come back today Oh yeah, and 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 still, still have that love because I I show people how much I love them and how much I appreciate them, and we did that year one. Yeah, if you don't do that year one, you're done. Yeah, yeah. That's why Vancouver went to Memphis, right. and that's why Toronto's still standing today. Right. Now they're Canada's team. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, going back to what we talked about, that is your branding. That is who you are. That's your personality. Yes. And that's why, again, Toronto is your second home because of Absolutely. the relationships you built, because you put yourself out there as genuine as you were. Absolutely. You are, of course. Absolutely. That, that's, that's what it is, man. You got you to gotta give up yourself yeah. to, for the bigger picture to help people. Yeah. If you're, so, not, if you're not on this earth and you haven't helped anybody, then you're not living. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Martin Luther King said the most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Exactly. You've got to do something for others. If you don't do something for others, you're defeating the purpose of even being here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tracy, I am respectable of your time. I have two quick questions I want to ask you. This is my open yes. question. So... You have lived life. You have, again, played in the NBA. You are doing what you're doing now as commentating. I want to ask you this. In everything that you've done in your life, what is it that you know for sure? What do you know for sure? What do I know for sure? I know for sure that I love people. I know for sure that I care 
what goes on around me in in communities with our people. I know for sure, especially living in America, that we have reverted back to the 60s and it's not cool. And we have to find a way to change our thinking and change how we are. And with our leadership, it's tough. Mm. It's tough. It's really tough with, with, with our president that we had, our current president. He has reverted us back to, to segregation and racism and separation and it's not good. It's not good for our country. It's not good for our allies. It's not good for you guys up there to have a, a, a president that's uh, that's powerful next to you that's creating problems for y'all and Mexico. You guys are our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And this is not a good time right now that we're living in. That's what I know. But I do know also that there are still a lot of good people around here that's very, very concerned and love our country and don't want this type of 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 crap going on. Mm-hmm. And it's gotta stop at some point. Yeah. And we're doing what we can on a smaller level to show love, show respect, show support. And that's all we really can do. I mean, the great Clyde Drexler told me, don't worry about things you can't control. Mm-hmm. I had to learn that as a rookie because I was worried about not playing and not, and, you know, and how long am I going to last in the league for not playing? Don't worry about things you can't control. Mm-hmm. I can't worry about what this dude does. All I can worry about is how, what am I doing to make people around me, the community, uh, my family, people I love, friends better? Mm-hmm. What can I do to help make everybody better? Mm. And it doesn't have to be monetarily. Right. It's just showing love and support and 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 just getting get your feet wet in what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. That's that's solid, man. I love that very much. So before we close here, I want to say thank you very much for being on this podcast. Thank you very much for being open and honest about the things you spoke about. And just being a good friend, man, a big brother to me and just continuing to be that influence to the youth. Because I know that you are influenced to the youth uh, where you are as well and the great things you're doing there. So I just want to thank you for that. Well, I, w- I want to thank you too, Jeff. You know, you, you've been a, a brother of mine, a great, great friend. I love your family, man. I see him growing up on the, the pictures and that you send me and stuff, man. And always good to hear you doing well. Uh, I really love your post uh your tweets um what you're doing in the community the brothers from the six is just awesome what you guys are doing man thank you keep it up because because we need leadership good solid leadership absolutely and you keep doing your work there and i keep trying to do what i do here and 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 if you need me for anything you already know my number you already know so uh, just thanks for the love always, man. And you just keep doing what you do, brother. Oh, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. The last thing I want to ask you to close out the podcast is this. You have somebody right now who's looking to transition in their life. They're trying to move from one section to another, and they're having a hard time envisioning what that looks like. Sometimes for people, it's difficult. They want to get to 
the second part of their life, the second portion, but they don't know how to get right. there because they don't know what it looks like. You have, right. you have one minute to speak to that person right now to help them through their transition because you've had to go through that in your life as well. Speak to that person right, right. now in about one minute to help them along their journey. Okay, first of all, go to a quiet place. No distractions, no phone, no internet. Really have a talk with yourself. What do you want out of life? What do you like to do? What do you enjoy? Because you don't want to work into something that you don't like because it becomes work. Find something that you love and that you like and write it down and do your research in those areas that's gonna fulfill you in that manner. Now it's not work. Then you can transition into something that you enjoy and that you're not waking up mad about every day that, oh, I gotta go to work. Find something that you love that's still gonna, you know, help you financially and go, go into that direction. right i love it i love it you heard my man tracy murray thank you so much for this conversation and for everybody out there i will see you at the top of the next episode peace